Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Anthony Heron. All we got to do is do our job and punch him in the mouth every single play. Big Ant. They seemingly would like to move on from Mitch, but and but I think that's part of where their language was very careful as well. Uh, well, we did discuss the quarterback position at length. I'm not going to go into the specifics because um, their end-of-season evaluation of the roster uh, hasn't been completed, but it's pretty clear we need better production from the quarterback position in order to be successful. Sirius XM and Fox 32 football analyst. Put on the Matt Nagy visor. Last offseason was spent as in, in trying to assess how did the Bears, especially on offense, get more to what suits their players. He attempted that, and there were some elements of that early in the season, but it still didn't go all the way there. So now he'll have to determine whether or not he is willing to fully commit to just saying, I'm, I'm going to try and, and run a system that, that just works best. Anthony Heron on six. 70 the score. I like our quarterback room right now. Shy City. For the better part of the next three hours, I am your voice. It is Super Sunday here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. I'm Anthony Aaron. We're going to be with you for the next few hours here talking all things Super Bowl, talking perhaps breaking things, bears, if something comes down the pipe. With that also, but anything you would like to discuss, you certainly can hit me up and get at us on the score phone lines here at 312-644-6767. But a lot has brought us to this point, so I want to discuss all those things from from all angles leading into the game, which you will be able to hear tonight on the score uh, as it is Super Sunday, very special Sunday edition here on the score. I'm actually going to be leading you up to Mullion Hall who are going to take over at noon for a couple hours. So that'll be a really cool treat for those of you accustomed to to hearing them in the mornings here on The Score with the number one sports radio station in the mornings here in Chicago. But I've got you until noontime, until then, so you can give me a call. You can also hit us up on the, the text line at 312-644-6767 as well. I'm on Twitter at Big Ant Heron. A couple of great guests will be with me over the course of the next few hours as well. We'll talk to my guy, your guy, our guy, Jason Goff. We'll talk to him at 10 a.m. And also one of my friends from uh, back in my NFL network stint, uh, Solomon Wilcox, will be with us at 11. You hear, hear him plenty on the score. And he does a lot with pro football focus at this point in addition to being just an all-around broadcast extraordinaire. So Solomon will be with us at 11. So we'll cover things from every angle perceivable now. But – 
for me, what, what really stands out about getting here to Super Sunday, to Super Bowl Sunday, when you think of, and I know we're into the month of February, we're literally a week into February at this point, so you know, we're, we're in the new year, we're in 2021, but think back to less than a year ago when it when the world literally did come to a standstill and we were beyond just beyond the previous NFL season and the Kansas City Chiefs had just been crowned Super Bowl champs at that point and Mahomes had won his MVP so he had had the regular season MVP from the previous season and then he had his Super Bowl MVP uh, frankly, in the first half of the game <laughs> during the Super Bowl where, where he did look human to some extent. Then he, his Chiefs teammates, they responded well in the second half and were able to outlast the San Francisco 49ers. And so coming off of that season, we had the coronation of Kansas City from that, that period, from that Super Bowl, from that game. But then very quickly thereafter, the, the world shifted, the world tilted. Things were really different from that point forward, and it really evolved throughout the year of 2020 as we all sort of began to to figure out how life was going to be affected, how different life was going to be. And so while it was in the midst of the basketball season back in March when things did get shut down, like for my, my Sirius XM show that I do, you know, we're on the air breaking the news in the morning when the Big Ten tournament gets gets cut off and all the other college basketball tournaments get shut down. That was in the in the midst of the NBA deciding to to postpone their operations from the previous NBA season. And we know how things played off from that point. And think back to it. Think of where you were mentally at that point back in March, even back into April. Like think back at that point. the The NFL Combine still took place. Now there there was a little. It was a little bit different. There was less personnel. Like the, the teams didn't send everyone. But even at that point, where we were, were there, there had been some COVID cases domestically, and the numbers were starting to, to uptick. But you know, we, we really didn't have a sense yet for how much it, everything was going to mushroom throughout the year. So the combine still took place. There were still athletes from all around the country, all these college kids who, you know, as – as they've been doing for decades, as I did back in 2001 when I got invited to the Combine out of Iowa. Everybody still showed up in Indy. Everybody was walking around in their underwear, running 40s and doing interviews and sweating all over each other and, you know, tossing the football back and forth and everything else that happens. And so that all took place. And at that point, the NFL was still, to, to some extent, sort of the, I guess, one of the beacons of what, what sort of fortitude in the midst of the pandemic could be it wasn't really it wasn't a pandemic yet at that point it was the uh it had some of the the seedlings <laughs> of the pandemic that was to come the basketball season gets called off but what was in our minds back then i think collectively a lot of us were in a similar place where we sort of had this expectation that the football season's going to be fine you know right like right now all right hoops and baseball are, are sort of in jeopardy at the moment but overall we're, we're going to get two the fall. We're going to have everything figured out by then, and we're going to get to and through the college and the NFL football seasons. Fast forward through the the rest of the spring and the summer months, and as the fall approached, we know it went down with college football. As a, as a quick snapshot, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 
they did cease for a little while. Other conferences considered it. It seemed like things were on the brink. A lot of the FCS level, they, they did call things off, you know, like the, the Ivy League called their season off, the, the SWAC called their season off, you know, that, that level of football. The, the Division A, what we used to call D1A or the FBS level, they, they, they pushed ahead. Less games across the board. The Big Ten came back. The Pac-12 came back. And we, of course, got to and through the college football playoff. What I continued to tell people, even in the early stages of the fall, was, you know what, as much as my college football coverage, where that seems like that might be in jeopardy, what I, what I literally was telling people is that the NFL isn't going anywhere unless somebody dies. The, the NFL will, will push forward, and the term I continue to use throughout the year, e- even before we actually got into the, the football months, I kind of shortly after basketball got called off, the term I started to use specific to the football season really was that the medicine has to catch up to the money. And I, I thought especially for like the Power Five conferences, for the Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC, ACC, Big 12, I, I thought that they have resources and certainly the National Football League has resources where they can and likely will forge ahead and just throw as many resources, throw as much money as they could at the problem, at safety, at comfort, and and find a way to put a product out there to get through the season. And that was eventually what all the major college conferences ended up doing. And that's certainly what the National Football League ended up doing and getting through the season with, you know, it, it took a minute and a lot of games got shifted around and some games got got delayed, and folks were trying to wonder, well, how come this game didn't just get called off? You know, it's one thing to postpone it, and you push it at night, and you push it another night. How come How come this team is getting treated this way? And how come the 49ers got to play with a bunch of practice squad guys and, you know, folks who were like beer truck vendors a couple days ago, and they're taking the, taking the field on national TV, but then you're doing it for the Ravens in a different manner. You know, there were all these questions about how the season played out, but in the end, the NFL got every game played. I mean, it. as much as I didn't think the season – I didn't think they would call off the season, like I said, unless somebody died. Fortunately, nobody died. There have been really, from you know, as, as far as anything noteworthy, no reportedly severe health complications for any NFL players. There was, there was a couple of college football players early in the year, and there was one young man who unfortunately did die during the, the preseason phase of the college football schedule – and as the season got going, no really reported significant health complications during college football. And then certainly during the NFL season, there weren't, that we know of at the moment, significant health complications from anyone who suffered uh, with, from COVID during the year. So in retrospect, that's spectacular news, of course. And for the NFL, the, the willingness to, in my, my case, the, the lens I've viewed this through the entire time has been, there's consequences either way. There are certainly consequences potential to put people in harm's way. And, and again, think back to where we were in the earlier stretch of last year as these decisions were being made about if pushing forward was going to be the right decision. And if so, when? And then the timing of it as that was being figured out, then the medical end of how. How do you push forward? How do you play not 
golf, not tennis, not baseball, not even basketball, not, not a contact sport. How do you play the collision sport? My old high school coach, Phil Acton, used to always remind us, dancing is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport where a lot of times it's big guys get really sweaty and run into each other. So, I mean, droplets only begins to describe <laughs> what's happening as, as things are being swapped on the football field between blood and sweat and guts and you name it. And the unknowns of a little less than a year ago, like thinking back to last spring and last summer as, as COVID was just rampaging across the globe and trying to figure out how are they going to make this happen? And if they can, how do we know people are going to be safe? The answer is we didn't know. And the NFL and other sports leagues made a decision to push forward to put as many resources as they conceivably could. And fortunately, at the NFL level and with other major professional sports, they, they have unions, players negotiations where they discuss these things back and forth, figure out what are the players going to be comfortable with, how do we make this work for our TV partners where we're still bringing in revenue, and one of the major industries in our nation, one of the major revenue generators on the planet, still moves forward. And that was what they did. They figured out some version of that that got us here to Super Bowl Sunday. And, you know, my, my, my contention the entire time has been as the medicine catches up with the money, as you figure out testing, as you have more results for people, for, for folks in the medical field, like the folks, the doctors and scientists who were supposed to be listening to and honoring and thousands of them will be, at the game tonight, and I think that's certainly an obvious and a, and a great way for the NFL to handle that and, and to push for vaccines, all these things that, that were certainly on the way, but not knowing how rapidly it would come and how comfortable people would be with it. Now that we've gotten here to this point, you look back at it, and you know I, I think that my perspective on it has been fairly consistent. Allow people all the information that's available, and then you may have, and, and you did have Eddie Goldman and other players who, who decide they're not comfortable with it and want to opt out, and there's a variety of reasons for why players wanted to do that, players did that. I mean, it felt like half the Patriots roster <laughs> ended up opting out before the season. That option was there for them, but the, the unknown was to me what you wanted to decrease as much as possible and allow folks as much information as you can manage, as you can muster, and then from there, make command decisions. But do what you can. Take it seriously. Take it seriously as a sports league. Take it seriously as a populace. And you know, I've, I've discussed it on these airwaves and others that there's certainly frustrations that myself and others have had with the, the lack of, of gravity that some folks have given to COVID uh, between last year and this year. But what's most important is from the NFL's perspective to take it seriously enough to pour resources into it, while at the same time, my my sort of I, I guess negative you know look at it was that even in putting all the resources towards it, if the NFL did feel like people were were in serious jeopardy, I did think because they're the NFL, they're going to push forward unless someone dies. And fortunately, there there wasn't anything that approached that. Uh, from a health complication perspective. We still don't know the long-term effects of, of any of this and, and how those who deal with COVID and have battled COVID and have tested positive for it and have had 
what might be viewed as minor symptoms. We, we don't know how that's going to affect them in the long run, but up to this point, we haven't, we haven't known of, of players in the National Football League who've had severe health complications in dealing with this. And so now we have this game that maybe a year ago, certainly you know, even less than a year ago up to last spring, we weren't completely certain. We kind of thought we're going to get the season started. And then as the discussion about getting the season started was there, how are they going to get through the season? And here we are. We're at the Super Bowl. We got the Kansas City Chiefs trying to go back-to-back, the defending champs taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the, the, the familiar refrain is there, the, the familiar character who takes the field for the Bucks is Tom Brady. And you know, I suppose from, from the NFL's perspective, you probably couldn't have asked for a much better matchup. You, you get one team who doesn't have to travel. They don't have to get on airplanes or anything. And you get the defending champs and the, the new face of the National Football League, the youngster and Patrick Mahomes taking on the GOAT and Tom Brady. So we will get into some of the details, some of the specifics of that matchup after a timeout here. I just wanted to sort of set up and, and remind us of, of what, what the path was that got to this point, some of the uncertainty that was there throughout that time, and then now in, in a way just sort of honoring that we're here. How we got here, uh, how the NFL got to this point, how we made it here as a country, there was a whole lot that took place to get it to this point. But, but the stage is set for tonight for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 55 to take place between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, a game that, as usual, highly anticipated, but a lot of storylines that will play out on the field. So we'll get into some of those things on the field here. You can hit me up at 312-644-6767 as I reference. Great guests on the way here. We'll talk to Jason Goff in just a little bit. We'll talk to Solomon Wilcox a little later in the show. I will talk to you. One of the things I'm curious about, so when, when you give me a call, we can talk about whatever you want. We can talk Bears and Carson Wentz and the potential for that trade. And, again, if something breaks, if something's going on, we'll certainly dive deep into that. And uh, we'll, we'll get uh, you know some of the folks who cover those things closely to join us on the show if something does break there with the Bears and Wentz and everything else. Who knows? I wouldn't think that the, the transaction itself, that they'll want that to happen on the day of the Super Bowl, but who knows? You know, the, these things, the, the way they time out, the folks are being aggressive and trying to go get Carson Wentz or maybe even Sam Darnold. Whatever happens, if the Bears are, are pushing forward and being aggressive about it, then maybe the news cycle, they won't care about it, you know, sort of being drowned or, or washed away in the midst of Super Bowl coverage. But whatever does happen, if it happens between now and noon, we will obviously discuss it in great detail here in breaking news that we cover well on the score. But we'll take a time out for now, come back, get into some of the things on the field with the game. You've heard me on the score throughout the week, breaking down some of the particulars of the matchup. But because I've got a couple hours to do it, I'm going to dive into a little bit more detail on specifics of some of the matchups, and some of the schematics that I'm looking forward to on the field tonight. If you give me a call, we can discuss that. The Super Bowl, we can discuss Bears. If you want to talk a little Bulls, we, we can do that or anything else under the sun. But what I'm definitely curious about is Super Bowl memories. I got a couple of those I'm going to share throughout the show today, too. Just whatever stands out to you, whether it's a moment, a highlight that happened on the field, whether it's something off the field, some crazy storyline that took place during the week. You know, I had a couple of things during this week, but not, nothing sort of, you know, that goes to the historic realm of, of some of the big Super Bowl controversies that have been there in the past. But 
some of your main, whether it's favorite or even if you view it through a negative light, just stand out Super Bowl memories from the week leading into the game or from the action on the field. Love to hear from you on that and a variety of other topics. We'll take our first time out. Come back in just a few minutes. Get on the field in some game action here. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter at Big Ant Heron. You can reach the station on Twitter at 670thescore. Give me a call at 312-644-6767. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670thescore. Adam Vinatieri has it on the tee. The Colts in all white. The Bears, navy blue and white. You white know, numerals are about ready to go. By the people in the stands, they don't need seats today because they're all standing. Vinatieri on the approach platform. Popping here in Miami. It sails to the far side around the 8-yard line to Hester. Under it and to the middle with the 15 to the 20. Breaks free of the 25 to the 30. To the outside. 40. Midfield. 40. 30 of the Colts. 20. 15. Hester 5. Oh, Touchdown what? Bears! No way! <laughs> Oh, quite a start to that one. Rainy night down in Florida against the Indianapolis Colts. Devin Hester, who the next time a Hall of Fame class is named, he will be on the ballot. He will now be eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the latest class. Last night, all all the finalists, the the modern era finalists, uh, several of them, First time on the ballot, so some first ballot Hall of Famers there. Uh, so let, let's roll through that real quick before we get out to the, the phone lines. But also just another reminder here, I'm taking you up to a new one. I'm Anthony Heron here on The Score. Taking you up to a new one where Mully and Haw, who you normally hear, of course, here in the mornings on 670 The Score, number one sports talk radio show in the mornings here in Chicago. But Mully and Haw making a, an appearance in the afternoon on Super Bowl Sunday. So very much looking forward to what those guys have in store for uh, their opinions on the game, their uh, their content that they always deliver, always entertaining in the mornings. But special edition of Mully and Haw in the afternoons here starting at noon. They'll be with you here for a couple hours later in the day. And then, of course, this evening when the Super Bowl kicks off, you will hear it right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. So I'm really happy and excited to be able to bring the the morning version of things to you here on the score, but as reference, the the Hall of Fame was named the, this incoming class of Hall of Famers. They were named last night. No, uh, no surprises certainly on the guys who made it on the first ballot. Peyton Manning, and I, I thought it was pretty cool the way the Hall of Fame did it, where they had David Baker, former commissioner of the Arena Football League, now the the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He uh, just kind of caught up with everyone randomly over the past week here, and uh, or week and a half ish, I think and uh, just sort of sought them out at different locations. And, and I suppose, I, I, I guess we can use the term surprise them because none of them from the videos I saw seemed to expect his presence in the moment. But, I mean, Peyton Manning certainly couldn't have been shocked that <laughs> he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. David Baker caught up with him on the field. Also, in addition to Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson and Calvin Johnson, also first ballot Hall of Famers as well. And John Lynch uh, finally made it in, the former defensive back from Tampa Bay, from the Buccaneers and the Denver Broncos. So Lynch obviously had a, a great career as well. And Pittsburgh Steelers guard Alan Fanica, also, Adam, Alan Fanica also got in to the Hall of Fame. And um, you know, I think that it, it's always a little bit sketchy, it seems, for DBs and receivers, at least historically. Even when Calvin Johnson five years ago – decided to walk away from the game 
And there were a lot of questions about whether or not he would get in. And if he did get in, how quickly should he get in? It's nine seasons, but it was nine seasons of him basically being the best receiver in football for nine years there. I mean, you know, you could make an argument about this guy or that guy. But when you look at all the numbers that he accumulated on all those bad teams in Detroit uh, between yards and touchdowns and multi-touchdown games, uh, receptions, you know, he pretty much tops the charts from his nine-year stretch of his career. He was basically, it's kind of weird that it, it happened again with the Lions franchise where you had this abbreviated career for someone who, who churned out yards and records and touchdowns at a level that very few have at a higher level than any of his contemporaries and did it on bad Lions teams. Calvin Johnson was, was the Barry Sanders of his era. He just did it as a receiver as opposed to a running back like Barry did. So, I mean, very impressive career. And you know, I, I thought the, the questions about whether or not Calvin Johnson should be a Hall of Famer were rather silly. And I'm glad that the Hall of Fame selection committee got that one right, as they did with Charles Woodson. Uh, you know, I could see where, where John Lynch could maybe be viewed as a, a potential borderline type because while he was a, you know, sort of a linchpin for some of those great Tampa Bay defenses, he certainly wasn't the, the best player on those defenses. But you don't necessarily have to be the best player on your team or the best player on your side of the ball to put together a career worthy of the Hall of Fame. So John Lynch finally making it in and Alan Fanica as a guard, it, it can just it can be tough, you know, just to get in as an, an interior offensive lineman. But when you look at the career that Fanica put together and having a Super Bowl championship in the midst of that as well, I, I got to compete against him a little bit. He had these extremely long arms. And you don't think of the guard position being a position that lends itself to to long arms leading to success. But he, he was a guy who who had that and he wasn't this hulking physical specimen either. He was just big enough, and those, those extremely long limbs that he had, he used them really well. Great hand placement, great technique, uh, a tenacious competitor, finishing blocks every single play. So congratulations to, to all those individuals out there. Uh, the modern era uh, guys selected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Fanica, Johnson, Lynch, and, and of course Manning and Charles Woodson. I got to compete against Charles Woodson uh, in college and in the in the National Football League. But when he was at Michigan and I was at Iowa, there there were just a few individuals that stood out to me, and more so as, as skill position guys. You know, obviously I competed on the line of scrimmage as a defensive lineman, but like David Boston from Ohio State, he was an individual offensive player that that I remember just seeing him on the field and watching him do things when we played against Ohio State. You could just you could just tell there was something different physically about him. That that was the the quintessential man amongst boys. If any of you remember David Boston and what he was like, not only in college but then especially what he became like <laughs> when he got to the Cardinals and he was in the NFL where he was like bigger than most of the defensive linemen on the opposing teams and he was doing it while playing wide receiver. Uh, there some enhancements rumored to be going on while all that was happening. But Charles Woodson was another guy who stood out to me as a skill position player that just seemed just seemed not just better than everyone, but just seemed more physically and mentally mature than everybody out there on the field. He was he was big for a defensive back, super fast, extremely fluid. Most of the interceptions he made seemed to be of the highlight variety where he's just skying into the air, making one-handed grabs or toe-tapping on the sideline. Of course, what he did in special teams as well, just like his fellow Michigan man Desmond Howard was a big part of 
of what led to the ability to win a Heisman there. Yeah, it's funny how just being outstanding at a position that's not quarterback or running back, that's not good enough. Like if you play DB, if you play receiver, like I don't think there's going to be a defensive lineman to win the Heisman unless they also happen to return kicks or something like that. Or, you know, maybe if you get them over at tight end and they catch a couple of touchdowns. But if you're not a quarterback, and, and to some extent still, uh, if you're not a running back, you got to do a little something else. So Charles Woodson had his little something else where he could play a little receiver. He could return some punts as well, just like Desmond Howard to, to be guys who won the Heisman out of Michigan as non-quarterbacks and in Woodson's case as non-offensive players, as mainly defenders. But outstanding Hall of Fame class who's on the way in here. Tom Flores, certainly worthy of regard here, also being the first minority coach to, to win a Super Bowl, to lead a team to a Super Bowl. He hadn't been in the Hall of Fame yet, of course, so really happy for him to finally get, get selected and receive this honor. Also, from the time he spent with the Raiders and the Seahawks, outstanding coach. And, uh, and Bill Nunn, a scout-slash-personnel executive who goes in as a contributor. And on the, out of the senior committee, Drew Pearson, a receiver from the Cowboys, spent a decade in the league and was you know, all pro a lot of those seasons as well. Drew Pearson finally getting into the Hall of Fame as well. So congratulations to them. Uh, well played by Mike Rankin getting that, that Devin Hester highlight coming out of the break because we'll see whether or not. I think Devin Hester will get in at some point. We'll see whether or not he ends up going in on the first ballot, which he will be eligible for next season. But let's get out to the, the phone lines here at 312-644-6767. That's where you can call. It is also where you can text me here at the score. But we've got Rick out in Michigan City on Super Bowl Sunday. Rick, you got Anthony Heron. What's going on? Yeah, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I just want to let people know, you know, Bruce played more quarterbacks than any team in the last 25 years. And when a record like that, you're not going to have a good football season. You know, to this he's starting to know the system and people. And people can keep on the teams. But just to get people with these quarterbacks, I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, Rick, sorry about that. Yeah, your, uh, your phone line wasn't wasn't great, but it sounded like I think the the main point I, I was getting out of what you were saying there, your phone line was was a little bit gargled. But uh, I think you were saying basically you think the Bears would be better off keeping Mitch Trubisky, and that may be a position they find themselves in. I think it's it's part of why. I suppose I'll use patience for lack of a better term, but I think it's why some of that is being exuded for the moment. There's a couple of reasons for it. One, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy only have so much capital, so many resources that they can utilize to go out and get one of these other quarterbacks. And so to some extent, they kind of have to wait and let the market play out a little bit, depending on what the price tag will be for individual parts. You know, for Matthew Stafford, I thought it was going to be a long shot for Stafford anyway, just because it, w- it would be a trade within the division. And I-, I didn't think it was likely that Detroit wanted to trade him to the Bears, not only because it would help a division a divisional opponent, but also it's, it's a divisional opponent specifically that you have to see twice per season. And so I-, I didn't think it was likely that Stafford to Chicago was going to be something that would happen unless there was just a king's ransom available for it and the Bears kind of made them the, that quintessential godfather offer that they couldn't refuse, and the Bears don't have the resources to do that, didn't have the resources to, to do that, especially when you look at what was given up to bring Stafford in. Um, 
if Jared Goff weren't a part of the Stafford swap, the Rams being willing to move on from Goff obviously uh, was a part of that. But then again, do you have the resources to sort of force the Rams' hand? Because part of that resource certainly wasn't going to be sending them a quarterback the caliber of Matt Stafford. So since that wasn't a part of the equation, there was going to need to be more draft capital. Bears don't, didn't have it to make that happen. So now they're in a position where there's a lot of waiting and, and watching, sort of hoping, depending on how the market plays out here. A lot of what you're hearing out of Atlanta at this point is that Matt Ryan is likely to stay put. A lot of what's being heard out of, you know, out of Dallas that Dak Prescott will likely either be franchised or they'll reach a deal there. So those are a couple of quarterbacks who at one point were potentially rumored to be on the move that it seems they aren't going to be on the move at this point. So the, the market dwindles the, the more and more you look at, at the scene that's being set. Derek Carr is a name that's floated. His name's been floated for a couple of years. When John Gruden first took the job with the Raiders last offseason, uh, his name was floated around also. Whether or not they legitimately, legitimately are willing to move on from Derek Carr, we'll see. Uh, my, my anticipation would be that they'll have to be confident they're actually upgrading at the spot before they move on because I don't think Mike Mayock or John Gruden wants to just say, well, we're going to be in the middle of the draft somewhere, so let's go out and get someone to rebuild with. I, I, they're not in rebuild mode. They want to go out and see if they're upgrading at the spot, which – Regardless of what you may think about Derek Carr, he's he's not a guy who you just go out and get anyone and definitively upgrade there, especially since there's a system in place and there's already some comfort with how they operate with John Gruden. But if Derek Carr were on the street or if they had enough to go get Derek Carr, he would definitively be an upgrade. Anthony, I'm glad you brought that up because the Bears are in such an unenviable position when it comes to the quarterback spot. Because it, you mentioned those names. First it was Stafford, then Goff, who were obviously moved for one another. But the Bears have to sit back and wait for things to play. It's not in their hands really for these top quarterback mm-hmm. options. right? This is on the other organization to decide internally. You know, Dak Prescott's name was thrown out there. Well, he's still really – it's on the Cowboys whether or not they want to keep him. Derek Carr, same thing. The Vegas Raiders have him under control. It's up to John Gruden and the rest of the, like you mentioned, Mike Mayock, to make that decision. So, you know, we hear these Carson Wentz rumors. We know he wants out of Philadelphia. That's, I think, in my opinion, why Ryan Pace is very aggressive early on in this process because they got to upgrade that position now. Right. I think that's that's right on the point, Mike. And the, the names that are most realistic are the names that we're hearing most with the Bears are Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold. We don't know what the asking price is from the Jets we're getting a sense via reports what the asking price is for Carson Wentz. How what what comes in return is viewed uh, will we'll factor into how much the Bears really need to give up. As far as draft picks, you know all the, the multiple first-round picks for Khalil Mack and the, the picks that were given up to move from three to two for Trubisky and some of the things that Ryan Pace has given up over the years to make certain moves, to make what he was hoping were going to be splash moves. You could certainly say the Khalil Mack trade has worked out fine, but for Trubisky, obviously, it has not worked out fine for what was given up there. And for for Carson Wentz to come here to Chicago, I'll get into that on the other side of a timeout here for what my concern is in, in going to get really either Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold, two quarterbacks I like, two quarterbacks whose talents uh, I do think are worthy of pursuit. But uh, there's a, there's a concern that I have with getting those individual players versus some other options that could be 
available out there. Love to get your thoughts on that as well. So we'll take a time out, come back, and I'll, I'll let you folks know exactly what my concerns are with, with, the, with this particular franchise, with the Bears going to get Carson Wentz. You give me a call as well, 312-644-6767. Taking you up till noon here on the scoreroom, Molly and Hall will take over for a special Sunday edition, a Super Bowl Sunday edition of their show. But you can call, you can text, you can tweet. I am at Big Ant Heron. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Carson Wentz, we talked about it in the open. He is not tough. He is North Dakota tough. Anthony Heron on 670 the score. That was, of course, the voice of John Gruden talking about Carson Wentz in his broadcast days here. And I think that the, the pairing of, uh, of John Gruden and Carson Wentz is one that could be intriguing. But the issue that I've expressed to people about John Gruden over the years is one that I now think suits where the Chicago Bears are as a franchise. It's that, yes, John Gruden won a Super Bowl, and John Gruden is a, a good coach. He's won a lot of games in the National Football League. One thing John Gruden has never done, to my estimation, is bring in a young quarterback and nurtured him into a high-level football player. He, he never showed an ability to do that. When he had veteran QBs, when he had signal callers who were already further along in their development, then they played well for him, and he won games with them. John Gruden, as much as we saw the QB cabs, and he, he talks – the game and describes describes the position at a high level what we never saw him do was just as a teacher as a football teacher and as a QB developer take a young talented signal caller and nurture those skills into becoming more than he was when he first began getting coached by John Gruden right now that that is the same issue I would say is there for this current Bears regime and not just at quarterback. I would say at large, just offensive skill players in general. We haven't seen them in quite some time now. And there's certainly been, I mean, even just specifically under Ryan Pace here, there have been offensive skill players that have shown promise. Anthony Miller, who was a draft pick I was really excited about. He had some nice moments as a rookie, has, has had some nice moments throughout his career, but has been extremely up and down. Um, the variety of other receivers out of Georgia. What, what do we really think of Javon Wims at this point? He hadn't developed. Riley Ridley hasn't developed. Kevin White certainly didn't develop. Now injuries were part of the, the Kevin White saga, but as he's moved on and looked for other opportunities, we haven't seen skill players. We haven't seen specifically the lone quarterback that's been drafted by Ryan Pace here in Chicago, Mitchell Trubisky, we haven't seen him develop into a consistently high-level player either. And there's a variety of reasons for that. One thing that I said about Mitch Trubisky, I believe it was after, after the first season that he was paired with Matt Nagy, after that 2018 season where things seemed promising and certainly the team performed well, 12-4 and four division title, thus and so, what I said at that point was if they don't find a way to, to turn Mitchell Trubisky after what I'd seen, my observations through two years of him in the National Football League, first one with John Fox and Dow Loggins, second one with Matt Nagy running the show as the head coach and the play caller. I'd seen plenty of physical traits. Everything I'd heard out of Hallis Hall was that Mitch Trubisky was liked by his teammates and he works his tail off. There were certainly plenty of things to be concerned about. And I think I'm pretty sure I said it to Lawrence, I think on a golf course where we were doing some – some score 
event on a golf course shortly before that 2019 season began. And what I said to Lawrence at that point was, if, from what I've seen of Mitch Trubisky, if he doesn't turn into a high-level football player, if he doesn't get a second contract here in Chicago because he's playing at a high enough level to regard that, I'm going to blame Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy more than Mitch Trubisky because folks underestimate what goes into developing a young quarterback, the infrastructure that's necessary to do that, the play calling that needs to be geared towards the comfort levels, the, the comfort zone, the, the, where that quarterback operates best, surrounding them with talent, calling plays adequately, and then certainly that individual needs to perform at a high level in the midst of those things. Bears haven't shown they can develop offensive skill players, and, and it's been a while for that to be the case. Um, you know, something I've been talking about for a couple of seasons here, and that to me would lead me to concern for bringing in Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold. If you bring in a Matt Ryan, if you would have been able to bring in a Matthew Stafford, certainly if you bring in, you know, you would have had the ability to bring in an Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. You know, I don't think even obviously Aaron Rodgers isn't coming. I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be here either because they don't have the resources to do it. But if you bring in finished products, then yeah, they can come in and perform at a high level. You bring in quarterback you need to develop. I haven't seen much, if anything, from this current regime that leads me to believe that they can or will nurture and develop a young quarterback. They can go out and and prove that to be different, but it will be the first time they've done it in that case because in addition to Mitch Trubisky not performing consistently or well enough at the position, just over the three years that Nagy has had Mitch and the four years that Pace has had Mitch, there hasn't been, to me, in my opinion, enough evidence that they've gone through the process, gone through the steps of gearing the franchise, gearing the offensive system, gearing the talent around him, and utilizing that talent in a way that best suits Mitch Trubisky. Certainly not on a consistent level. We saw more evidence of it the last month of this past season, over a month, coming out of that bye week. But let's get a caller in before we uh, we get to the top of the hour here. We're going to have Jason Goff joining us in just a few minutes. The listener line uh, is brought to you by – it's powered by BetQL – Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Let's, let's get to Mike in Mendota, who wants to talk a little bit here on Super Bowl Sunday. Mike, what's up? You got Anthony Heron. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. Uh, this is my favorite sports talk show on the radio. I love when you're on. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Uh, based on Trubisky's comments um, over the past few weeks, particularly after – he indicated that he might not have a lot of trust or confidence in Nagy and Pace. Uh, and I've been listening to your comments for the last minute or two. What makes you think that Nagy and Pace, or what confidence should we have as fans that they can that they can make a, a wise decision and use good judgment when it comes to picking up maybe Darnold or Wentz or and, and I I really hesitate to say this. I'm drafting a quarterback at number 20. Um, I just, I, I don't have much confidence in their ability to develop quarterback or skill positions, and I and I'm looking to to find some sort of positive angle on this. If you have any, yeah, I hear you on that, Micah. It's a valid concern, and it's one that's that's born from the results we've seen. You know, I don't think that that saying 
that there's not confidence they would pick the right quarterback or that the right quarterback would come in here, join the team, and be developed. Well, that, that's born from the results that, that we've seen. And you know, I, I think that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, I feel that, that – I, I certainly – like I don't, I don't know as many folks who know Ryan Pace as I do folks who know Matt Nagy. I believe Matt Nagy is a self-aware individual. I, I think there's evidence that he attacked this last offseason – and tried to find ways to improve not only how he ran the entire organization, but how he ran the Bears' offense. And there was, there was some of that evidence from how he called the plays early in the season. Frankly, it just didn't go far enough to, to specifically suit the skill set of Mitch Trubisky. That being said, even if they, they you know, sort of called the offense to Mitch's strengths more, my, my impression is that it would have won more games here over the last couple of seasons. But I think the, the Bears would probably be in a situation where maybe where the Rams got to with Jared Goff or maybe where the 49ers are at at the moment with Jimmy Garoppolo, where you can call the offense in a way that, that pairs things down a bit but is very specific to the skills of your QB to give your team a better opportunity for success. And that's the job of the head coach and the offensive coordinator. And for the bulk of Matt Nagy's time here, he was both of those for the bears. That's his gig to make sure that's done correctly. And he didn't do that well enough. While at the same time, if your quarterback can't perform beyond a certain state, then you're still handcuffed and you still have a ceiling. Just like the 49ers have shown a ceiling. The Rams showed a ceiling with quarterbacks who played well, who earned the money that they got for, for those bigger contracts or second contracts that they got with teams. So I think the Bears would be in a similar place with Mitchell Trubisky. I just think they would have won at a higher level while doing it and getting to that point if they would have managed that better. So my point certainly isn't that I think Mitch, you know, would have, would have turned into this star-level QB if managed differently, but the Bears could have done more with him up to this point, and there still is a chance. Until we see some other high-level QB that they sign, and we'll see. Maybe later today it'll be Carson Wentz. Maybe later this morning it'll be Carson Wentz if the deal comes through. We'll let you know. But until that point, the door is not closed. Regardless of Matt Nagy's comments that we can read into earlier this week, I'll believe the door is closed on Mr. Trubisky when another QB is here. And until that moment, there's still a chance he'll be back with the Bears this coming season. I know he'll be back with us in just one moment. My guy, your guy, Jason Goff, will join us on the other side of this timeout. I'm Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.